Before we get to today's episode of Off the Bench on the Wizards Podcast Network, we want to remind you to download the Wizards app on the go and in the palm of your hand. The official Washington Wizards team app is your mobile home for all things Wizards. Everything you need to know when it comes to game previews and recaps, radio broadcasts and stats, all at the touch of a button. You can even access the Monumental Sports Network and the Wizards Podcast Network with ease. Download the official Wizards team app today. What's up, Wizards fans? Welcome to another episode of the Off the Bench podcast presented by the Alibaba Group and part of the Wizards Podcast Network. I'm Jackson Filio, joined as always by Zach Rosen of Wizards Digital. And today on the Zoom line, we've got Wizards Center Robin Lopez. Robin, what's up, man? What's going on? So we we can't record a podcast with you a day after you play two consecutive games against your brother and and not start there. So we're going to start there. How much, how much do you enjoy or despise, be honest with us, those matchups when you get a chance to go uh, up against him? And I know it's not, it's not always one-on-one between you two, but it, when, it, when it's your two teams going up against one another, what is that like for you guys? I think the, the coolest thing for me is the reaction from my teammates. Um, it's, it's always new for them. It's always really exciting for them. So I think it brings extra edge to the game, extra competitive edge to the game that sometimes isn't uh, always there. And you had a, a funny exchange with the Bucks Twitter account. Uh, I believe it was after the first game. Um, but, you know, it's always fun to see, kind of like you mentioned with teammates and stuff like that, the whole NBA community kind of engages in your guys' relationship, knowing that you guys are, um, you know, fun characters and, and uh, you know, you make it entertaining. Um, but between you two, you know, less public, but between you two, what is that communication like either before, during, or after those matchups? <laughs> I don't think there's really, there's really not much in the way of communication at all during, like, is relating to the matchups at all. Yeah, I noticed before the game, like, you you just, like, refused to even talk to him. Or... We didn't even acknowledge each other. <laughs> <laughs> was it always like that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Okay. Um, I guess, like, bring it back to the court, on the court. Um, you guys were shorthanded the other day on Saturday against the Bucks. You played well, just fell short. And then last night, more pieces are being reintegrated. And I mean, you come back within five and it just kind of dissipates from you. What can you take away like the positives though from that game? It seemed like Rui especially stepped up. You guys all season it's been like one guy comes in, one guy goes out. It's just nothing has been consistent. But you know, what can you take away even with these losses to start the second? It's rough because you don't you don't want to have moral victories of any kind. We've seen uh, over that stretch what kind of team we can be. Um, I, I think I think we saw a little more frequently what we needed to do on the defensive end, how engaged and focused we needed to be in the first game and in the second half of the second game. But uh, that that hasn't been there unfortunately these past few games. I think anybody will tell you that. What do you think you guys need to do to try and recapture that? I mean, it's no secret, like, this is a tough stretch that you guys are in. Like, the Milwaukee Bucks are a, a fantastic basketball team, and, you know, their ball movement and the things that they do make it incredibly difficult on a defense. So, you know, it's not, I, I think, as simple as the defense was good and, and now it's less good. There's there's a lot of factors that go into it. But what do, where do you guys start when it, when it comes to trying to recapture that? I, I think it has to come from ourselves. It has to come from within. Um, there can't be any kind of outside – 
outside pressures like being down 10, being down 15 to, to make us register, okay, now we need to pick it up on the defensive end. Now we need to lock in. That has to come from us from the get-go. And I think that's something that's something during the stretch of games we were winning that we have been very, very good about, very vigilant about, starting games well. What do you think the difference was in those games? Is it just locking in, like as simple as that? I really think so. You know, um, it's I, uh, transition's been a huge thing for us in wins and losses. We, if we take care of transition, we're usually in the ball game. But um, I think there's also variances that pop up. Like, I know Russ mentioned that he felt a lot of people weren't pulling over from the help side or helping the helper yesterday um, when we got down. And then you have things like um, Bryn Forbes getting open, not, not, not locking and chasing Bryn Forbes, who's a fantastic three-point shooter. You got to know that personnel. So sometimes it's just a variance of things that kind of shows not enough attention to detail, not enough focus. I think a lot has been made in the last month or so of the team's uh, rotation at center and how each of you guys, yourself, Alex Len and Mo Wagner, kind of bring something different to the table. How do you view your role within that trio? Uh, first of all, I think it's really important that we're all pulling for each other. We want the team to be successful. So whoever's out there, we're rooting for them. And I can feel that. I can feel what I'm on the fly. I feel Alex and Mo rooting for me. When Mo's out there, Alex and I have his back. And same with when Alex is out there performing, doing his thing. Um, so I think that's, that's first and foremost, when we're, we're most successful with that center rotation, I think that's the, the primary influence, the, the number one thing. But like you said, uh, my, my, my goal when I'm out there, um, I'm trying to be a presence at the rim defensively, um, set screens, get an occasional offensive rebound too, and then exploit some mismatches on the post. And how much of that is using like your veteran experience? You know, you are um, the most experienced of, of that crew. How much of what you're doing out there is mental, do you think? I like to think a decent amount. <laughs> I like to give myself some kind. I realize I'm not the most athletic guy out there. So um, I definitely try to use my footwork, try to use what intelligence, what savvy I, I like to think I have to try to get ahead. I was going to ask, you tweeted last week how you're, you don't feel like you're an athlete anymore, a professional athlete, you're like a professional ball player. Yes, yeah. What, what, like, what was going through your head when you, like, has that been like just a thought on your mind? No, like, no, that was a joke. We had practice earlier that day. We just got back from All-Star break. And I, I turned to DB after practice, and that's something I, I said to Davis. <laughs> so, yeah. I don't really feel like I, I can be a professional athlete anymore. I think I have to change my, my professional title to, professional basketball player. I think there's a bit of a <laughs> distinction in there, and I'm well aware of it. When do you feel like that, like, change? I mean, it's not like you're, you're, <laughs> you don't have your young legs under you these days, but, like, did, did you wake up one morning like, man, not really as athletic as I was one day? Uh, well, I don't know if it was one specific day. I do know um, my, my second year in Phoenix, I had um, a pinched nerve um, and a bulging disc that kind of sapped a lot of my athleticism. So honestly, I've, I've been, I, I've learned to play without athleticism for, I've been doing it for a, a bit now. So kind of on that topic, we, we know this organization actually puts a lot of emphasis on the, the health and wellness side of things. It, it's well-staffed and there's a lot of resources that go into that, uh, especially in, in the last couple of years. Um, I'm curious on that end, what are some of the things that, that you do 
at this stage in your career, kind of working with that team to make sure that you're in prime playing condition, and especially in a season like this where it's a little bit more paramount with less rest and practice and opportunity for those things? So we, we just had a practice that was maybe 45 minutes, um, pretty pretty typical midseason practice, you know, um, a lot of emphasis on personnel for tomorrow for against the Kings and then getting shots up. Um, I was on the table earlier before. I did a little bit of work, mostly body weight in the weight room beforehand. And then after this, I'm going to get a massage. And I haven't been a big massage guy before, but I've been trying to indulge in that uh, just about every day we don't have a game. How much of that uh, that plan manifests itself in, in you on the bench during games? We noticed that you spend a lot of your time when you're not on the court, literally laying on the court in, in the bench area. Is that a part of uh, that plan, just to make sure that you're not getting too stiff sitting down like like some of the other guys? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, um, it's more preventative than anything. Um, I occasionally have back issues. You know what big man doesn't back? Usually have back issues where it seizes up, gets a little tight. So that's just to try to keep that from happening making sure I'm not sitting in one, one of those stadium chairs for too long. You got to do what you got to do, right? Exactly. What do you do on airplanes then? Oh, I pass out on airplanes. Oh, okay. Fortunately, we can recline them all the way back. Yeah. Right for people that don't know, most of the planes that we fly on are built for basketball players. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So mm -hmm. That's good. Um, where I feel like we asked you this like right when we signed you, the Mariners hat. <laughs> what is the story with the Mariners hat? And how long have you had it by now? This one I've had since I was in Portland, I think. Um, okay. I've been a Mariners fan since I lived up there. My older brother went to the University of Washington, and we lived up in, uh, Whid on Whidbey Island in 1995. And that was when the Mariners uh, went to the American League Championship Series. Lost, they beat the Yankees and lost to the Indians. And um, I've had the hat for, like I said, since I was in Portland. And before that, I had a different hat. And I gave it to my, I remember distinctly, I was walking out after a Trailblazers game to the parking lot and I gave it to my niece to hold, who was about, back then she must have been, uh, let me see, back then she must have been in early to middle elementary school. I was like, don't, here, here's this hat, don't lose this. <laughs> and sure enough, I love her, I, I love her to death, but we're not sure what happened to that hat. So <laughs> I made sure I, this one has not gone out of my sight. It makes a lot more sense yeah. that there's multiple Mariners hats uh, in this equation. Well, and I think the Mariners hat is just one puzzle piece in what is a very interesting collection of arrival attire that you have for a lot of the games. It's often a, a topic of discussion amongst this group who has to put out the, uh, the arrival photos of players showing up for games and stuff like that. I know Zach Akuma, our uh, global digital correspondent who handles a lot of our Japanese language content, uh, goes back and forth with you a lot during media availability whenever you wear a, uh, a Team Japan soccer jersey or something like that. You obviously skew more casual than, than some guys on the team when it comes to arrival attire, but you got a lot of stuff, man. You, you, you break out some interesting, uh, some interesting attire. How much thought do you put into it? And, and you know, what are some of your favorite pieces that you've brought out so far this year? I know I mentioned the soccer jersey. You've got some Disney characters and, and, uh, and all sorts of other things that, that we've seen um, in your attire. What, what goes into that thought process for you? Like you said, it's pretty casual. I'm not on the, the tutorial cutting edge or anything, but I, I like to, uh, I like to, uh, the graphic tees are a big part of my repertoire, I think. Um, there's a lot of different, um, a lot of different ways I can express myself there, different shows, movies, uh, musicians occasionally. Like you said, I love the, um, 
I love the Japanese national team soccer kits. Um, yesterday, Davies told me I might have gotten in a little trouble. I wore an Anaheim Body Dutch uniform. And I, I've occasionally worn those, like when I was in Chicago, I, back in the day, I've worn those. And that may have been somewhat of an oversight on my, my, on my part. Of it. Caps. Yeah. It's better that it's not a rival. Uh, Troy Brown, Troy Brown, when he was drafted, the Caps had just beaten Vegas in the cup. And he wore his Vegas jersey the night that he got drafted by the Wizards. That was classic. It's quite a statement. Um, Sounds like Troy. Yeah, right. I was a huge fan of the Charmander shirt. Mm, yes, yeah. Um, any kind of Pokemon reference is going to go far. I feel like there's so many people who like love Pokemon but will never admit it. I'm mm. not one of those people. Still love Pokemon. It's surprising that so, so many people are kind of reticent to acknowledge that, yes, I do love Pokemon. It's not like it's a closet industry. No, it's like a huge deal <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> Specifically globally. And I think, what was it, Pokemon Go a couple years ago when it – I think drove a lot of the the resurgence, but yeah, it, it's fun. Brooke, Brooke was really big into it. Um, I remember that summer we went with our family to Hawaii and we ran a couple Jeeps and there would always be some, some, we would always change who the driver was, except for Brooke would never drive. He would always be in the passenger seat. He would always have his shoes off, feet out the window. And he was on Pokemon Go just as they were driving down the road. Oh, here's a, here, here, here's a Charmeleon. Here, here's a, here's a Kangaskhan. You know, whatever it was. Wow. Just focus on playing Pokemon Go. That's amazing. All right. Well, you opened the door on Lopez family vacation, so we're staying there. <laughs> what is that like? You mentioned Hawaii. What, what does, uh, what's the dynamic on on a Lopez family vacation? What do you guys get up to? Who leads the charge? Who does the planning? I usually do the planning. Brooks always about the the end game, um, what what the, the end product, and I usually. With my mother, I usually do the planning. Um, occasionally, we'll have some friends come along, and we'll have what we call um, the turkeys, and it's, these are a series of trophies to um, try to foster the spirit of adventure and just general, I think, leisure and relaxation during maximum relaxation during the vacation. Um, and, and, the, the main trophy is the Man of the Summer trophy. That's the big kahuna, the big prize you want to win. And we have various trophies like Best Dressed, Most Adventurous, um, the Ohana Award, Most Disappointing, Best Duo. Forgive me for not knowing, but how many people are competing for these trophies? On It varies. It can be as, as few as five and as many as maybe 13 or 14. That's incredible. What's the best location, best place you guys have ever gone on vacation together? That's a good question. Um, specifically, as far as Turkish trips go, I think I'd have to say our trip to Dubrovnik was incredible. We did an Eastern Europe trip where we went to Dubrovnik in Croatia. We went to Prague. And then we went to um, Budapest. Wow. You know, that was that was really a really special trip. And how many were on that trip? That was about six or seven. Okay. Yeah. And you get multiple awards. You can. Okay. You can. If we're we're not these aren't. I I I don't. I hate to use the term because of what it's become now. Uh, but these aren't participation trophies. <laughs> people can get shut out. People can win five awards in one night. You know, there's that photo of Michael Jackson at like the 1984 Grammys, and he has eight Grammys in his arm. 
And that's the that's what we want. That's what we're aiming for. That's what everybody's aiming for. Who is who is the Michael Phelps with the most the most metal? Um, right now it's it's my my guy. His name's David Lozano. He's got I think two Man of the Summer trophies wow. and a litany of other uh, other minor awards. Put him in the Hall, the Lopez brothers Hall. He's he's yeah no he's he's first dollar. If you guys had a Hall of Fame, what would you call it? <laughs> that's a good question. <laughs> I need a Hall of Fame now. Wow. Think of that. We are we are officially at the peak Robin Lopez podcast level. Um, Jackson, I don't know if you have any more questions for him, but I don't I don't want to you know mess this up mess up the synergy that we got here. Um, no, I think we got to name this Hall of Fame eventually. Though. No, we no, do no. that. That's on the docket. We're going to name it. So I'm not going to spin it back to some basketball question here, but kind of staying with just you know what we're talking about, Robin. It, everybody's so fascinated in your off the court life. Let's look forward a little bit, 15, 20 years down the line. Where do you, where do you see yourself? What do you want to be doing with life? Um, I think I'm going to be on the West coast, no matter what, <laughs> be somewhere around California. I love the, I love traveling. I love everywhere I've been in the United States, but I want to be somewhere on the West coast. Um, I want to be doing something, something creative. I, you guys know, I love theme parks. I'd love maybe to do something in that industry. I'd love to do perhaps something in comic books, um, something in animation, cartoons, something creative, I think. You haven't, where have you played on the West Coast? I guess three cities, right? Phoenix, Portland. And Lakers? No, no, no just, just, just only two. Mm-hmm. Never desire to just be like, I will only play on the West Coast. <laughs> yeah. I think I'm limiting my options at that point. Yeah, Maybe that's true. The, the one NBA the one like veteran NBA goal I have, I, like barring you know achievement, like barring oh I want to win a win a final, you know I want to, I want to be in the league when Seattle has a team again. Yeah, I was gonna ask you that. I felt like yeah. you know, we got the Mariners hat going. Mm-hmm. You got your family connection there with your brother. I think there's a lot of players like that, like that are from there. Mm-hmm. I mean, like it has been super vocal about that. Zach Levine's from there, I think. Like, Zach and I have talked about it. Yeah, when we were in Chicago. It sounds like it's going to happen soon. Like I think it's going to happen. So there's they can't deny Seattle much longer. No, they have the hockey team coming up. And, yeah, the Kraken. You like that name? I, I do. A little mystical. Do, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Is there going to be a Kraken hat in rotation? Ooh. See, that's tough. That's tough because obviously I do love my Seattle sports teams, but it's it's hard for me. I, I've been. I've been a, a minor fan of the Mighty Ducks for so long, so it's hard for me right. to, to switch allegiances or to say that I'm a fan of both of two Western Conference teams like that. Because that, that's the one thing I, for the MLS, and this is going to be so controversial, at least if you're from the Pacific Northwest. Uh, I'm a fan of both the Portland Timbers and the Seattle Sounders. Wow. Which... I know, I'm not even a soccer guy, and I know you're not allowed to say that. Right, yeah. <laughs> that's wild, because I know they're rivals. Yeah. And Vancouver has a team now that's kind of a rivalry mm-hmm. with them, too. So the, I don't, I don't want to get into that. Like, that, that, that developed – the Seattle the, – the Pacific Northwest soccer thing, that kind of developed very naturally. I was a, I was a Sounders fan first, and then I came to Portland – and I really, I really fell in love with the fans, the people up there. And they, have, they have great fans up there. And the Sounders have great fans too. So, you know, I, I realize it's controversial, but I don't want to, I don't want to be that guy in the NHL either, <laughs> you know? But part of it is like Seattle had a team before Portland, mm-hmm. right? In the MLS and then you played there. Mm-hmm. So 
I don't know. I'm sure the, the diehards might judge you, but that's tough. In Anaheim, you're from there. You grew up there. So um, did you watch the Mighty Ducks growing up too? And that kind of helped right. you right. like them even more. Yeah. So yeah, that's tough. I, I, I didn't grow up with a hockey team. I know you had, you had the Penguins, Pittsburgh, Jackson. So yeah. when I came here, it was easy to, to adopt the Caps, but like, there's so many like random teams in hockey that I would just jump on the bandwagon when I didn't have a team that were just like fun. You know? Brooke has adopted the Admirals in Milwaukee. <laughs> no. <laughs> That's a good call though. No, he's adopted the Phoenix, the Arizona Coyotes. Just for and he's stuck with it. I, I think he liked the look of the, the uniforms the back in the nineties one. Oh yeah, they're the cool. Kachina doll. Yeah. They're awful. <laughs> so, so he's sticking with it it's funny because like <laughs> when you get to choose your team and then you just pick a team that just stinks for 20 years and then you're not even born there your parents didn't even like them that's when you just yeah they're rough yeah <laughs> he stuck it out who, who knows if they'll be in arizona but he stuck it out yeah okay so last question is we've had like no mascot interactions this year which is like you know it's on the list of we signed robin lopez we're like oh my god Mm-hmm. Although it was during the pandemic already. So we had a feeling, you know, we might not see mascots. Now that fans are coming back, maybe we'll get to see some mascots in the second half of the season. What do you, how do you approach that? Because you need to social distance from the mascots. Do they wear masks? Like, they better, they better not endanger any of my teammates. Yeah. How do, how do we approach that? Let's see. Okay, I'm going to put it like this. I think it's, it's important to note that the NBA has said, they're not essential personnel. And I'm going to keep that in mind for the rest of my playing career and the rest of their playing career. And I'm not going to let them forget about that, first of all. But a part of me, part of me wonders if the mascot union didn't get to come together and say, you know what, this is the perfect excuse to not have to face Robin for a year. People, people are saying that. I've seen it on Reddit, on the mascot boards. I would, it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. You're not at all concerned about the scheming that may be happening behind the scenes between them? Well, they tweeted at him, you know, all these mascots to stop this guy. Yeah. And what you said something about gritty. Yeah, gritty. That's, I said they're not gritty, you know. They're not they're not keeping me up at night. Yeah. Gritty gritty's top tier. He is. The real question is what's the Kraken mascot gonna be? Because That's a good question. I feel like they've had a lot of time to think about this. Is it going to be some crazy dragon kind of thing? It has to. You have to go off the wall with it. You can't <laughs> keep it. You can always. You can always pull it back if the fan reception is pretty poor. It kind of reminds me of the New Jersey Nets thing. I know Zach Lowe always talks about this. What was it, the Sea Dragons that they almost called them or whatever? The Swamp Dragons. The swamp, swamp Dragons. Maybe they pull that mascot out of the out of somewhere. Yeah, whatever. I, I'm swamp is, yeah. Well. I think you've made your message loud and clear for the mascots. And we're 100% going to put this on social media so they all see it. Thank you. And the mascots, they're, they're, we don't know what they're doing, but they're clearly afraid of Rob. No, it's no question. Yeah. You know, you, you had them before, and they had all the fans behind them. And they were hiding behind, like, Clutch was hiding behind James Harden. Rocky was in Denver. He had the fans behind him, you know. All these mascots, and they're, you, see, you see their true nature now. The clock is ticking. There's going to be a reckoning, and they're going to have to deal with it soon. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's a great end point. The mascots, leave them in the dust. <laughs> no kidding. we got to do this again. I agree. I wholeheartedly agree. Robin, thanks so much for the time, man. This was great. No, thank you for having me.